What's going on, everyone? And welcome to a brand new episode of Octo Radio, a Star Wars podcast. We are here. We are half vaxxed. We are talking about what vaccines we got off the air. Everybody's very excited. It's like trading Pokemon cards or Yu-Gi-Oh cards. We're like, oh, well, I got this one. Oh, I got this one. And suddenly the morale has been boosted just a little bit. I feel like for many of us, of course, lots of people still waiting, uh, still in quarantine, still in lockdown. And that, my friends, is why we continue to turn to things like Star Wars to keep us entertained. And amongst those things is this little initiative that you might have heard of. Uh, very casually, you know, just a few New York Times bestsellers, no big deal. Uh, you know, just some, some highly anticipated uh, graphic novels, manga, um, new comic book series, novels, YA. Um, it's got it all. And amongst all of that new material, there is a face and a voice that has to convey what those stories are going to be, insights into those stories, how we can find those connections, what the creators are doing. Star Wars as a brand, as a company, went and found someone to sort of be the, the chancellor, if you will, of, of this whole initiative and, and convey some of that stuff. So today we are so excited to welcome friend of the show, you know this person from their work with Critical Role, from being an extraordinary actor, a cosplayer extraordinaire. If you were on Twitter at all during the month of February, during uh, this, the, you know, this guest's amazing look at all of their black cosplay, photos across you're just mind blown by the talent they have a higher public cloak themselves so it is only fitting that of course they are the host of the higher public show on the star wars youtube channel digital platforms it is christina ariel that's me hi how are you i'm doing well you just made like reminded me that i have a higher public cloak then i was like oh my god i do have that i'm gonna go put that on i would wear it all the time i don't want it to get dirty that's true and it's 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 white and it like takes on stains and I just want it to be pristine so that like the day I actually wear it in public, it's like, oh, that'd be a moment. It'll be like for like either celebration or, or like for a big episode, for a big interview. I'm surprised you haven't worn it on the episode yet. Granted, I'm not sure what you've shot, what you haven't shot. You know, the show's, the show's monthly. And so uh, I'm sure there's some lead up there. You know, there's, there's some stuff that gets banked um, before we're aware. So maybe you will just bust out the cloak one day and go like full wizard, full majestic. You know what I stuff. shot? First. <laughs> oh, 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 she's got jokes. She's coming in hot with the Star Wars humor. I love it. Uh, I, that actually reminds me of something I was going to mention, which is that in the first episode of the Higher Public Show, you did a bit about how the, the Starlight Beacon is just a reverse Death Star. Mm -hmm. and, and I cannot read Higher Public content now without hearing you <laughs> in my voice going, almost like a reverse Death Star. And I was just like, that's the best. Beacon of light throughout the galaxy. I wonder, you know, and I guess this is a good just like opening icebreaker question. How much of it is is you in terms of writing team on the higher public in terms of those bits, those quips, all of that? Is it very collaborative or, or, or you know, do you throw jokes out and sometimes they're like, all right, let's let's drain it in. That's a little too not offsides, but it's, it's a little too jokey or anything like that. No, I, I'm very fortunate that like the writers even know my sense of humor at this point. Mm -hmm. So they like, even in the script, it'll be, there'll be maybe like a side joke or something. And they know that I'm going to, I'm going to run with it. There's yeah. no joke that is too corny. And I appreciate that. Like, I think there's a, there's a bit at the end of the episode. And I was like, can I knock my plants off of the shelf? And they're like, yeah. 
like, oh, cool. So, like, the, uh, there's most, most of the, the jokes are, are very much, if I did not make the joke, then it's written to my, to my voice and my humor. Yeah. And I think that between you and, you know, going back to like Rebels Recon with like Andy Gutierrez and now Kristen Baver uh, on This Week in Star Wars, there is definitely like a, such a tongue in cheek tone amongst the entire team. Uh, and Anthony Carboni as well, of course, on, on Star Wars showed that this, this laugh at ourselves, um, Star Wars, you know, doesn't take itself as seriously as maybe people on the internet think it does. And so uh, we can bring some of that joy into it. And I love that that's a concerted effort from the team. Uh- the team is just really like one they're some of the most brilliant minds in star wars so you have people like scott bromley you have nina wallace you have mickey capafairy and it's like all of these people are just brilliant they are brilliant but scott brings a level of humor that makes me look less corny and those are those are the friends they are those are those are the people you keep close right those are those are sunshine people yeah and the team that the writers the producers everyone is just i love them i love them so much i think they're so cool they really are yeah there are they're they're part of the star wars experience at this point in a way that is so unique to star wars because something that i love to touch on on this show is that star wars was unique in comparison to like trek or marvel or dc or any of the other major fandoms tolkien because it made um celebrities and it made you know stars out of the behind the scenes people as much as the and we see that a little bit now with marvel you know like your your taika waititi's your james guns um but star wars was the first one that's like you will know the names of the department heads the stunt coordinators everybody and when i had mickey capofiri on the show for jedi temple challenge um, we were talking about how they've established through the digital content, this like the office of Lucasfilm as like a living organism, like a living brand. Like, you know who the jokesters are in the office. You get to see the different people. And it's been interesting to see how you've come in, obviously during this insane at home era and have carried that forward with, with Kristen Baver, you know, doing this week in star Wars that, you sort of are keeping the office culture alive and, and that, that levity um, from the comfort of your own home. So has it been hard for you to stay tapped in and engaged creatively when you're here as opposed to, I'm going to go into a set and I'm going to go into a you know, production facility? It's, it's a very different energy, especially starting a show and not getting to be with the people you're working with and mm-hmm. like be around them, like that part of it. But we do this thing before we shoot most scenes and I'll be like, Alexa play. Oh wait, I almost turned her on, but (laughs) we like, I'll play like a hype up song before we get started. And like, hopefully if my microphone is working, they hear it through the computer and they get hyped too. And it's, it's very, it's a very different energy. I am looking forward to being back in the studio and like being around people, but it's, it's interesting as a new mom, it's very convenient for me to be working out of my garage office. <laughs> like I can just mm-hmm. walk outside and like everybody in the house is fine. I have this area where I can go to work. So it still feels like I'm going to work. Mm. And it really is just a great team that makes everything so easy. 
our shoot days are probably like even if they're longer like if we're doing an interview episode and we're or like the round tables it's just a fun process i really i really enjoy it and i like i don't know i like the the comfort of being at work but i look over and it's like my house and know my family's inside and i yeah. don't have to go off and be gone for hours and feel like then i have to sit in traffic it's la i don't want to do all that i, I like right. i like this setup <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess it is, you know, it is sort of like that double-edged sword of, because I've been producing and, and broadcasting from home for the past like year. And so it totally is that there's an element of, oh, is my, is my living quarters also my job? But then it's like, oh, my living quarters is also my job. Like it, it just becomes like some days the energy is on. And then some days you're like, I wish I could escape. But at the same time, like we're lucky, you know, that's, we're, we're, mm-hmm. we're, we're lucky to be able to do it. So we will get into um, how you became part of the Star Wars family, how all of that developed uh, the pitch for this show, all of that good stuff as people you know, love to know about like what's happening right now, current, 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 and that's great. But I am always fascinated by people's Star Wars origins, of course. And I will say, if people go to the description for this episode, um, you did an, an interview piece with uh, Kristen Baver, where Kristen interviewed you, which is on StarWars.com, mm-hmm. where people go to your Twitter, it's there. So definitely check out the written version. But we were talking off air. Um, we were talking about Mandy Moore. We were talking about yeah. early 2000s. We were talking about uh, love and romance and all this stuff, uh, Attack of the Clones. So I, I'm excited to, to hear the formal version what is your Star Wars origin story? Did it come from your parents, a sibling? Was it a teacher? Was it catching it on TV? I know your first movie was Attack of the Clones. So was that your introduction? Mm-hmm. You can take us on a little journey. No, my introduction was actually the Ewoks cartoon. Bless. And the Ewoks movie. Bless was, content. I was a very, very big Ewok fan from a very young age. And I was born in 86. So like, at the time when I was younger, they were still playing like the Ewoks cartoon on like Saturday morning cartoons. And I did not miss it. I loved it. I thought they were like, they were less scary Teddy Ruxpins. That's a that's, mood. That's how I look at that. So that's, I watched that. And then again, like hardcore getting into Star Wars was after seeing Attack of the Clones at the theater, because it was just a big moment for me to like, that was my first through foray into cinematic Star Wars. It's like, of course, I'd watch the movies, but I watched them on TV. Like, I didn't have the big screen experience. So to have that, I was like, oh, no, I'm in now. And then it really, really took off for me when the Tartakovsky Clone Wars came out. And I, like, I still have a DVD of part two up at the top. It's like between my... I always say this when I'm in interviews because it's still there. <laughs> like if yeah. I look up, cause I'm not watching the DVD, it's now on Disney Plus. Right. So it's like looking up, I'm just like, oh, it's still there. And it reminds me of good times with my, like my best friend Jamel and I we used to have Star Wars marathons. And so we would just like sit and we would watch like four, five, six, and then we would watch one, two, then we would watch the Clone Wars and then we would watch episode three. And I always love that. It's like, you're going to learn how Anakin got a scar. There's all these sub stories. Padme actually like was developed. <laughs> you know, it's m- minor thing to have a, a fully fleshed out character, you know, casual. Uh, so basically that's the great thing about the cartoons. It's like, they were able to do that. Like you get so much more depth to these characters. I mean, with the literary projects also, like just course, to be able yeah. to get to know them on such a deeper level, you really do become like emotionally invested in these characters in such a profound way. It was you that added all of that stuff to Disney Plus. Because really, that just sounds like it was the perfect drop day for you. Ewoks, 
Ewok movies, Tartakovsky. Like they, it was just the Christina. I day. was so happy. Like you don't understand. I was so happy because it's like even like I had. I wanted to watch it a few months ago, so I ended up going on like Voodoo and buying it. But to just have it there and I'm like telling my kid, I'm like, oh my god, no, this is the Clone Wars. Come watch it. It's gonna be great. And he's like, yeah. I already watched the Clone Wars. I'm like, no, watch this Clone Wars. This is different. That's really like, uh, sure. I'll, I'll I'll watch it. Okay. He's like, Mom is really losing it for this uh this 2D cartoon over here. Uh yeah, respect it. <laughs> now, did you have a like a built-in already? Um, you know, predilection toward fantasy and sci-fi and all that stuff as a kid, or was Star Wars sort of the first thing? Mm-mm. My I like grew up on pretty much all things sci-fi, and my stepdad was a huge, huge sci-fi. Like, loved Star Trek: Next Generation. Mm-hmm. He liked Star Wars. He liked all of these things, like, pretty much. Like, he would stay up and play, like, Marvel versus Capcom with me, like, till, like, 2 o'clock in the morning. We'd play Tekken together. We had, like, Tekken. The, have you ever seen Tekken, the animated movie? Yeah. Yeah, once. It's, I had it on VHS. Like, we would go, <laughs> like, to the – we would go to the PX because my dad was military. So, we would go to the PX and, like, they'd have, like, all these bargain bins of movies. Right. And so, we'd get, like, Tekken and, like, we'd find, like, some random, like – VHSs of Schoolhouse Rock and it was oh my gosh so I, I grew up on on a lot a lot of sci-fi and like I liked fantasy books like the Phantom Toll Booth and I, I was a big big reader as a kid like I I mean I still am but like I was a more frequent reader and I just love to escape into story. Like I thought it was great. And so I would read these like my grandma would send these like bundle books that were like not the um I'm like I'm not knowing how to word right now. That's okay. <laughs> but English is hard. English. These is compendiums, hard. these compendiums ah. of science fiction and fantasy stories. Mm. And my grandma, when we would visit her, she would just take us to like Barnes and Noble and she'd be like, get what you want. And so I would always end up with like fantasy books and sci-fi. And also we watched the Highlander a lot when I was a kid. Like my dad <laughs> taped every episode that came on. And it's why it's why like Princes of the Universe is still my like go to like I need to be super hype. Like I'm yeah. gonna play that and it's like, yeah, I am immortal. The inside me blood of kings, I got this. <laughs> <laughs> For, for the benefit of audio, th- th- there's a dance happening right now. There's, there's a hype <laughs> dance. Christina's getting pumped. Uh, I my love chair it. is very springy, so it's giving me some extra oomph. Oh, oh, absolutely. You're ready to go. You can take on the world right now. She's just going to throw her headphones down and just just go save someone. I do have a sword back here. So, I mean, if it needs to go down, I got this. Because you know what? There can be only one. There could be only one. And what's what's the tie, what's the tie-in with Highlander to Star Wars? Clancy Brown, I guess, would be would be the tie-in because he was uh, Kurgan. I think Clancy Brown was the mm-hmm. Kurgan. Yeah. What? Oh, what was that lady, the Amanda, who was always with him throughout different parts of time? Yeah. I was. And real talk, I didn't go like hardcore for the Highlander movies, but I loved mm-hmm. the Highlander show. Like Duncan McCloud was my dude. And then he cut his hair, and it was weird. So for that era of TV, you know, you mentioned the Highlander show, Star Trek, uh, Next Gen, and then obviously as we expand into DS9 and, and Voyager, Voyager was was my first Trek, and I watched that with my mom all the time. My mom allowed me to just sit and watch. I think it was like UPN's block of Voyager and Frasier, like some like back yes. to back. And and then my mom will always be like, "Why are you so sarcastic?" And I'm like, "You let me watch science fiction and then bookend it with Frasier." Like you, you created me. Like if I'm ever like combative or like overly critical, like that's on you for doing that to me. 
Um, oh, baby, but, I hear the blues calling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then that era, though, like you're talking about, you know, you've also got like your Hercules, your, your Xena, all this stuff. And then you go to animation, of course, and there's so, there's so many classics. Um, your parents, I guess it sounds like, and your grandma um, were very supportive of all of that. And which is wonderful. And you love to hear that in, in terms of geek families, because you also get the stories where sometimes it's like they used to throw my comic books away and, and say, you're, you know, you're, you're wasting your time, which, um, you know, you never want to hear. But did that transition for you into an, an immediate like, because obviously you're telling stories all the time now, especially, you know, in, in the world of like RPGs and things like that and acting where you like, I'm going to act and I'm going to be on a show like Highlander or Star Trek or was that something that you never really considered? Well, I've, I've always been like a performer, like plays and all that kind of stuff. And I've, I've, my parents were very supportive of all of that kind of stuff. Like when I was doing show choir and all that kind of nonsense. But like my dad was like, like he had like drawers of manga and he would like sit on his computer. I like showed him a website where he could go and he could just like read it instead of like going out all the time when he started to get like, he would have like surgery. So he would just sit in his office and do that. When I was little, we used to watch like Dragon Ball Z. He would come home just to watch like Toonami with me. And he would sit, like we'd watch Reboot. We would watch, obviously like Sailor Moon was my jam. Oh, and yeah. he loved, but he loved Dragon Ball Z. And so he had like all of the like VHS that connected on the side. So you'd have like trunks sitting on the side. Yes. Sorry, this is really hard. It'll be a year since my dad died tomorrow. And Oh, um, I'm so sorry. Sorry. So that's, um, yeah. A lot of, of the things that I am and things that I love are directly tied to him. And so I'm really grateful for that. And like his understanding with everything, like, my dad was a super fanboy, but he was just a six foot five fanboy. <laughs> <laughs> he was a, a, a like a large, gentle giant nerd type. Uh, he really was, and he also sounds like James Earl Jones. So oh, his voice great. was always this very low, like. And I got in trouble once. This is my one of my favorite stories of all time. I was like, I don't even remember what I did. And my dad was like giving me a lecture, and I was like laughing. He's like, "What are you laughing at?" And I was like, "Simba." remember who you are and he's like what and i was like you've forgotten who you are and so you've forgotten me <laughs> he's like, what are you doing what did you sound like in my head right now doing this lecture <laughs> that is like a way to just like take the the balloon of tension and just just pop it like sorry dad i know you're trying to impart wisdom but i just see you as a lion right now unfortunately i do i like it's about like anytime i think about that it makes me laugh I don't know. I probably should have been more humble in the situation, but I could not resist the joke, which is kind of just who I am as a person. I could not resist the joke, the Christina Ariel story. Like that's going to be your eventual biography series or autobiography book. Um, I love. We got to do it now so Kelly Rowland can play me. That would be that would be awesome. I love Kelly Rowland. She's so cool. Did you ever get to talk to her? No, I have not. It'll happen. I'm I'm sure of it. And then you can pitch your you can pitch your own life story. Don't no, pitch, I'm gonna pitch, pitch a I'm gonna pitch a buddy comedy. Oh, I'm gonna pitch a buddy movie. comedy where we go on like some random adventure, and then there's gonna be a random Beyonce cameo. I love <laughs> Just that. Kidding, Beyonce would never sign on to that project. <laughs> <laughs> well, Beyonce, you know, Lion King. There's a tie-in. If you if you if you really open up to Beyonce, I'm sure you could probably win her over. Just be like, look, Beyonce. When I was I'll a just kid, get a wave one time. My dad <laughs> sounded like Mufasa, Beyonce. All right, and you were in the Lion King. So you understand who that is. You are Nala. 
Mm-hmm. You wrote an entire compa- like companion album. Talk, let's talk. Let's be let's be homies. Send me big boxes of Ivy Park. I will rock your stuff. <laughs> Look, Beyonce, I saw Austin Powers 3 when I was a little kid. I remember that you're a whole lot of woman. I legit did a Foxy Cleopatra cosplay. Oh, did My you? My husband dressed up as Austin Powers, and I was Foxy Cleopatra. That's fantastic. That's love. It's, it is. It was, I was very excited about it. I got to spray paint my hair gold. Oh, it's fantastic. I love it. I love it. I don't know if that's one of the ones you posted, but now I want to see it. Now I got to go check it out. And uh, that's a good segue. You know, we're talking about family. Like, tell me, tell me about your, about your husband and, and having a, and having a nerd sort of romance and nerd household and all that stuff. If, if that's oh. something that, that you have imparted a lot, or if he was already a nerd when you guys met. No, no, he was not. Uh, my husband's nerdiness is in the fact that he, he's a magician. Love it. So like that's his whole like that's his subculture. And then our house, if someone were to come to our house, they would like they'll compliment him and be like, Oh my gosh, like this is cool. And he's like, That's all her. That is every I mean, it's me or my son, like we're the two, like all the nerd paraphernalia in the house. And my husband's just like certain stuff, he's like, Really? And I'll like play episodes, like the good episodes, and try to get him hooked. You know how like you find like like when you play like blink for somebody for Doctor Who. Yes. And you're like Oh, don't you like this? Sh- oh, what? Or like the adipose episode? I always think is like a really funny one. So like, yeah, I mean, it's got to be Blink. It's got to be Vincent and the Doctor. You know, you go to. Oh, Vincent and the Doctor. I mean, that's if you want to hurt someone. That's if you're like, I want you to cry with me. Like you're going to experience. This is a bonding experience. <laughs> yeah. No, he. My husband is like he like now. <laughs> it took him a while to realize like that if he ever wanted to get me a gift just go get me something pop culture related. <laughs> and now he's like, oh my gosh, here's some wings for your character. Here's like a sword and a shield. But he's really, he's really cool. My husband's super crafty. So he started making like certain props for me. Like I remember I couldn't find a staff that I needed to go with a cosplay. And my husband sat down and he like, I showed him a picture of what I wanted and he just like went to the craft store and made it. That's fantastic. And it's like, you are dope. So he's, he's leaning into a lot of it now. And so, like, he's, I got him to watch WandaVision. I got him to watch, like, The Winter Soldier. And That's so funny that you said WandaVision, because I was literally about to say that all I can picture is Paul Bettany in the second episode, the flourish, the whole magician bit. I'm like, all I know about this man is that he's a magician. So I go to the most recent magician in my mind. That was how I got, I showed him that episode. And I'm like, look, he's doing magic like you. (laughs) <laughs> Does this make you want to watch the rest of the show? Because they're they're doing magic. Oh, look at these cool opening sequences. They're all like homages to different decades of television. Look at it, huh? You're, you're but it's also TV. like, yeah, this is gonna be fun. It's my my whole goal is to keep my husband awake while we're watching something, or else I'm just gonna have to like. I, that's the joy of having dual profiles. Is like when my husband falls asleep, I can go and continue watching it on my profile and never lose the place where we were watching what we were watching together. That's smart. I never thought to use the, the profiles that way. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to adopt that move. And it also absolves it you of all guilt because then you don't look like you continued it without the other person, you know? Red strips filled all the way out, just feeling guilty. This fixes that for me. I'm going to steal this trick. I'm going to call it the Christina, the, the Christina maneuver. It's like the Holdo maneuver. Um, You're welcome. Except, You're except welcome. You, you, know, you survive. Um, so yeah, so let's, let's dive more into, into the Star Wars background. So you're already a performative child. Um, you're absorbing all of these stories. You're all, you already have this sci-fi fantasy and geek appreciation background. 
And I, I'm curious how Star Wars, uh, if in any way, be it through your cosplays, I know you've got some great Star Wars cosplays that tie in, of course, with your story. I mean, if people visit that article I referenced earlier. Um, you can see your your Billy D. Williams Lando look and, and the fact that you have met both of the wonderful Landos uh, that we have had. And it's just um, just a really in- inspiring sort of journey at that point. And we'll mention, you know, the Dave Filoni of it all um, with that mm-hmm. moment that, that you two shared, which was great. But leading up to that, how did Star Wars sort of play in? Was it playing a Star Wars RPG? Was it, you know, gaming back then? Like, in terms of what you're doing these days? It's mostly just been reading stories and watching the shows, watching the movies. And I just really enjoyed it. Like, I, I, I was not really, like, a big online star wars outside of like some jokes here and there i just kind of like kept my my opinions on that in my head and i don't know like the whole thing is very interesting as far as like getting the call to go and hey are you gonna would you like to host this show that moment was very am i being punked i've always liked star wars is also one of those things where it's not just my dad it's very much my sister like my sister had a star wars baby shower she had like it was so great it was like all like themed items and like her like the water but she had that and then my sister was the first one in our family to do a star wars cosplay and she had her dog she had a gold like a golden doodle and mm. so he was chewy and then her son was han and she and her husband were stormtroopers love it so they they're just so cute i love my sister she's so dope but yeah it's very much one of those things where if we were like I love Star Trek also. And so she'd be like, you go watch Star Trek. Star Wars is mine. So it was always one of those things where I kind of like, oh, she can have it. And then like, right. oh, we can both love the same thing, damn it. It's interesting, you know, hearing you say that in terms of obviously your dad, your sister, and how getting that call felt like being punked because not only did these two obviously loved ones prepare you in a lot of ways and impart the love and the knowledge on you, but like I alluded to with uh, that solo premiere moment, you, in a very Star Wars way, you called your own shot, you know, from, from, from way back. And the solo premiere is 2018 and mm-hmm. High Republic is, you know, three years after the fact. So three years prior to this gig or, you know, two and some change, depending on when you were officially brought onto the team before we knew about the show. Um, all of that, you know, stuff is... Probably we're not we're not we're not gonna get the hard amount of time, but let's just say three years. You tell Dave Filoni one day I'm gonna be a part of Star Wars. I'm paraphrasing, of course, but if you want to tell that story and sort of how weird and cyclical and and Star Warsy it is to have, I to have also done screamed that. it at Ron Howard. <laughs> oh, well, that's nice. I'm, <laughs> I'm sure Ron appreciated being screamed at. No, but I, I he seems like the sweetest man. So it wasn't a scream. It was more like one of those like loud pretend whispers where you're just like one day we're gonna work together if you ever need somebody for a star wars give me a call (laughs) respect it yeah listen i'm never gonna throw away my shot but that had ended up having nothing to do with me working at star wars but dave filoni i remember him like coming down the carpet and he just had like the biggest smile on his face he's probably the jolliest person that was there that day like it was just it's very interesting to see people who you know are living their dream. Yes. Like, I, I have a, a deep respect for that. It's kind of like, it's not like when you think about the doctor, like who's your favorite doctor? My favorite doctor is 10 because 
like knowing that David Tennant was such a big fan of Doctor Who and then ended up working for Doc, like ended up being the doctor. Like yes. the show got canceled. He never thought he was going to get that dream, but then he got to be the doctor. Or you look at Peter Capaldi who wrote fan club letters to the doctor, yeah. like to the doctor. Like he wrote letters that were published in the paper and then to be able to have that and have that full, I love full circle moments. I mean, you and so I are both be, wrestling fans. I mean, we, we both love our, our, great uh mandalorian koskarev sasha banks i mean you see these i remember wrestlemania 32 sasha banks does the does the springboard tornado ddt and then does the eddie guerrero and knowing that that was her hero is totally that that moment and and she's got the the eddie gear on and it was just like chill i get chills thinking about it now and and how so again to speak just to your point of like how you just it, it is it is so um Cathartic's not the right word, but when you are when you're vicariously in that moment with them, it's so mm-hmm. powerful. It is. It's it's very a very surreal world in general, and like just being at that premiere and knowing that like I had walked up there, like walked up to Hollywood for the Rogue One premiere, didn't know it was going to be there, and just look up and I'm like, like one day, like I felt like you know that scene at the end of Iron Man where Rhodes is like one day like that that was my like thing it was like next time i'm gonna like be here and then i got a call from my friend katie elhoffer to go to the premiere and like be like to show all like her like she designed the han top or not the han the uh, lando top and i was like what this is crazy (laughs) and like just knowing like i had met separately in that same like period of time like right before I was at my stepdad had a show at this club called this club and over in the corner, Billy B. Williams, who is a fan of his music. Wow. So he's sitting there and I'm like, Oh, like I'm going to go like talk to him. Obviously I was like, Oh, like are you enjoying the show? Like we sit down together and like talk for a minute. And like, he's just always like, he's there. Well, my aunt was like my aunt, great aunt slash godmom was a huge Billy Dee Williams fan. Like, Lady Sings the Blues, everything. She loved Billy Dee Williams. So that moment, like, just being able to talk to him was one of those, like, full circle, like, I've grown up watching you and hearing how you were the most handsome man in the world. And then you sit down next to him and he's just charming and kind and affable. And then to see him again, like, at the Star Wars premiere and then to meet Donald Glover in the same, like, in the same way in this random, like, happenstance where you're just here and then we meet in a professional kind of capacity and and there's something about like people who are like important like taking the time to remember like a small interaction yes like i had that i bumped into chris pratt at a liquor store on christmas eve once like buying like a christmas gift and he like was talking to me and my husband and like helping us he's like oh like this whiskey is a favorite of chris stapleton like check it out it was just super nice so then i go to the avengers premiere and he's like, hey, like, how are you? How's Luke? Like asking about like my family. And he's yeah. just, every time I've seen him after that, he's just been extremely nice. And it's to, to know that people take the time to, to remember those encounters and to remember you, like it feels really nice. And so it was nice to have that like at that premiere. And then to also like add in a moment where you get to like meet Dave Filoni and he's super nice. And just like how people make you feel is, is important or how you leave people is really important. And so it's really nice to know that like people take that time to care. And thematically, I think that that is just a perfect way to segue a little bit into like the Star Wars nitty gritty. You know, we, uh, 
you know, as we're sort of sort of winding down here a little bit, I don't want to take up too much more of your time just because again, you've been super generous in, in, in the middle of a, of a Saturday, you know, with, with a baby and then with, with, with you know, a job and a bunch of stuff to do. So again, very appreciative. Um, but as you know, thinking about those themes and just sort of like what you're saying, it's important how you leave people. It's, a, you know, those small kindnesses and stuff. I mean, that is such an optimistic ideal. And obviously you're a, a Trek child, you know, and, and the <laughs> optimism of all of that and, and Star Wars now too, with, you know, the light of the Jedi and the test of courage, all this higher public material is some of the most optimistic Star Wars we've ever gotten. And you get to dive into that all the time and you get to talk to the creators of those stories specifically. All Star Wars is optimistic, but a lot of Star Wars can get grim. It can get operatic, particularly when it revolves around a certain dramatic family uh, that perhaps maybe some listeners might have heard of, the Skywalkers. Mm -hmm. A little moody, just a little moody. Um, But with High Republic, it is very optimistic. So I'm curious, how does that sort of inform your fandom? How has it changed your fandom? How is it inspiring for you to talk about stories that are so much about light and life and inclusion and the most diverse era that we've had in Star Wars where there are characters from all different walks of life and not just in the normal Star Wars way of like, and they're from that planet, but we've got, you know, Sarah and Tarek are, are trans non-binary voices in Star Wars and that we've got uh, powerful and prominent women leaders across the higher Republic and black voices across the higher Republic. So how is all of this just joy and, and of the now sort of hit you? One of the reasons that I was really excited about getting to be a part of the higher Republic is that I saw it as like, kind of like we all have our entryway into Star Wars. Everybody is entering into this era on equal footing. Like everyone has the same exact amount of knowledge. It's like, you know what happened in the future, but right now, like we're in the past. Like it is an era of hope. And I just, I was really hopeful about the fact that we can all come in and even with the higher public show, it's like, we get to take this ride together. Like I'm reading the books at the same time and I'm learning all of the stuff, but I'm also trying to get information about what people want to know and like what they want to hear. And the thing that I appreciated about it is that you're getting different voices, you're getting different angles, but you're getting the same character at the core of all of these characters being written by different authors. They are all one of the most cohesive groups that have been fortunate enough to talk to like the respect that they have for each other that they've put into this project from like inception michael seglane has just like this is his baby like this is his literary baby yeah and he's been working on it since what like 2014 so just seeing all of that come to fruition and knowing how much work went into this it gives me a, a great deal of respect for it but i also love that they do deal with the grief of it. Right. Like in a test of courage, you actually are seeing grief and how that grief can lead you to like lean into the dark side and step away from the light a little bit, but it's about finding your way back with friends. And there's just, it's interesting. Like as far as like, even with Marky on row, like you get to see why he's the way he is. Like you get to see like what led to him becoming the leader. And I just really... I don't know. I, it's nice to come into something at the beginning and to know like, oh, like there's a lot of content. <laughs> there's a lot of, lot of books and yeah. a lot of media and, but I'm enjoying getting to delve into all of it. And it, oh, it's just cool. Like, I don't know any other word for it, but I get to like, like, this is a dream. It is, it is a dream that I never 
would have imagined when I was selling cars or waiting tables or any of the other 50,000 random odd jobs I've had. To get to be, to have the ear of the writers, to get to talk to the developers, to the artists, it's, it's, it's a really unique experience and I love it a lot. And is that sort of, that connection to the morality play of it all, you know, resisting grief, sometimes even embracing grief, coming back from it, those sort of themes that are so core to Star Wars, do you think that's what keeps you coming back personally as a fan? Because everybody has like their flavor. For some people, mm-hmm. it's I love the swashbuckling, the scoundrels, the rapscallions and all that stuff. For you, is, is it sort of like that, that opera, that, that sort of feel, that interpersonal stuff that, that makes you still years later a Star Wars fan? say so at this point like you've been with these people so long they're like family like obviously family you never see don't actually know and don't really talk to but like you know their story mm-hmm. like you like look how ingrained in the culture star wars is i mean they're cups and toasters and all this stuff because we love these characters and we keep coming back to them and we support them in other projects we follow these people like they become these people you want to support and be around and I keep coming back because I want to know what's next I want to know what happens next I want to know how the stories develop I want to know like what happened before it's what I love about the higher public it's we're finding out what it was like pre-Skywalker era mm-hmm. like hearing more stories we're seeing Yoda in his prime that alone is one of those and I think when you look at it like it all comes back to Yoda. Like, I love Yoda. And I want to see young Yoda. And I, I appreciate the fact that Yoda is so old that we can go back this far and he is still out there just like, oh. Yeah. What's up? <laughs> what up? <laughs> is he your favorite character? He is one of my favorite characters, but he is not my favorite character. My favorite will always be Padme because I am a diehard Natalie Portman fan and I love her so much. And getting to see like, oh my gosh. So Natalie's rap from Saturday Night Live is one of my favorite things in the world. And I've loved like, obviously she's also in this incredible movie called Where the Heart Is, which Mm -hmm. a friend of mine, friend of mine, we read the book in like ninth grade or something like that. And then we actually like watched the movie i was very annoyed because they changed the number and it was like she had this number that she was like it was like five 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 or something like that she didn't like to see in a certain order but um i think it was i think they changed it threes and i think in the book it might have been like fives or something like that right it's like oh you changed five five. anyway it's a great movie you should watch it um yeah i love padme i think she's great style icon hair icon timeless but it's the best padme look um Pregnant Padme, I'm off of her ship, wearing the, like, she's pregnant. She's got the little, like, double buns in the back of her hair and a lone, like, fishtail-looking braid. And she comes down and she just looks like, I don't know why that's my look. But also her funeral look was kind of dope, too. You know, as far as as far as funerals go, she was definitely styling even on the way out. I, I will say that even, even it was the, the hair. It was the hair the for me, like and just the flowers and the. I, I want to imagine that it was like a Gungan stylist that was like, "You are gonna look great, even in death." Like we're gonna put some. What were her favorite flowers? All right, let's just put some of those on there. Uh, let's weave yeah. that. Let's make sure her hair flows. We want it like a yeah. river. Pit- she goes up the river six. Portrait, yes. <laughs> Um, pregnant Padme is an interesting shout because, 
I mean, obviously there's the, you know, you're a Star Wars parent, you know, which is such a special type of fan because it's so generational. You go to Celebration and it's like Star Wars parent and children pairs, like as far as the eye can mm. see. And it's so wholesome. And Pregnant Padme was sort of like, it's an action look, you know, like she doesn't get to blast anyone. She doesn't get to jump out and, and like do a fight scene, but it's sort of like, all right, I'm done with gowns, you know, and dresses for right now. Like I gotta, I gotta go handle business. Uh, in, in the same way as like a, like a Jedi outfit. It's kind of like a little tunic type deal with the two like straps and stuff. It's pretty awesome. It was. It's such, it's a really good look. I did a, a cosplay for Elhoffer that was a pregnant Padme. So it's like the green and purple. Yeah. And I was pregnant at the time. So I got to like the one of my, I didn't get to do it, but I really wanted to do like the flowy rainbow cream look that she had. Mm. I wanted to do that while I was pregnant and I really felt like it was a missed opportunity. I also missed opportunity to do Daenerys Targaryen. Whack. Yeah. What do you know? Oh, well, to, to live, to live and learn. Um, I want to, I want to wrap. I mean, I, it's, it's like, there's a billion things that we could talk about, but to get one last cool insight into the mind of Christina Ariel, as she sits back in her bouncy chair uh, and g- gives me the pensive look, the higher public is unique in a lot of ways, but probably for me, it is special in as much as it has provided the most intimate look at interpersonal force connections in a way that lots of Star Wars hasn't, intentionally so, because by the time you get to the prequel era, it's so uniform and it's so dogmatic. It's like, we used to wear really dope outfits 200 years ago. Everyone's wearing beige now. You're going to wear beige and you're going <laughs> to like it. And, you know, and Anakin wears black leather and that is scandalous, my friends. That is a scandal. I'm interested about your higher public force perception you know avar chris here's a song uh elzar man it's the depths of the ocean for uh you know briaga it's it's the trees and for belzedifar it's the fire if you were perceiving the force what do you see or hear or feel i think for me everything goes back to music and i feel so many emotions through music that it just seems like the most logical thing would be for me to perceive the force through music and to hear the notes and like, I think so much of the beauty in the world is from art and music. I think that would be it for me. I feel like Thrawn would probably really appreciate you and your perspective on the importance of, of music and art and culture. He, he would definitely destroy, destroy people and want to recruit you to be like his apprentice or something. Can I tell you something? Please. You, well, you and the people listening to this podcast. So the other day I was looking, I had the Thrawn book on my dresser. And mm-hmm. so I keep looking at it and I stopped and I sat down and I was like, I really wish I could draw because I would make Thrawn John Silver and I would make Thrawn a pirate. I love that for you. And I hope that Timothy's on. I'm going to piece out just this clip of audio and, and ha- have a mutual friend. Have a Brandon from Talking Bay 94. Shout out to Brandon for his Timothy's on interview and Star Wars Insider. They're going to have him send that to him because uh, Thrawn John Silver needs to be a thing, frankly. He does. And he I'm really surprised like- it's not. It might be. And I just have never seen it. But every time I think about it now, I'm like, <laughs> Thrawn John Silver. I love that. I love that for you. He could have like sort of like like a Jack Sparrowy type look, but instead of like that random like beads thing, it could be like Harrow's Calicori, like like a piece of it like coming down from like like Thrawn with Thrawn with long hair coming out of a bandana. Like that's a good look. That could build on sexy Thrawn from the uh Jody Hauser miniseries and everybody that book adaptation where you had long hair. I love Jody. Jody's such a doll. Jody Hauser is a is a brilliant writer. 
definitely i know J- jody we have a D connection so oh, okay. it's like a like a D, like we got to meet in real life what was it it was at Critical Role Live. Internet friends in real life is always surreal because you're like, oh, that's how tall you are. Well, that's just fascinating. Look at you. It Look at you with weird. legs. Look at you with legs and a, and a, and a breathing body. Half. Yeah, you're, you're like, wow. This crop that you've got going on in real life is great. Like, I can see all of you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's so HD. Caught in 4K. Um, Christina, you're great. This is, You were hilarious. You're... So laid back, literally, uh, just the, the most chill, the most wonderful. You bring such a wonderful energy uh, to your work, to the show. Um, such a wonderful, just like comedic presence. And I'm so glad that you took the time to come hang for a little bit here and tell some of your story. I, obviously, a million more stories you could tell. And one day we'll have to sit down again. But this has been so much fun. Thanks for having me. This is really cool. I appreciate it. I appreciate Thanks you. Thanks for everybody that listened and was like, oh. Or maybe you laugh twice. I don't know. But thanks. If you laugh twice, why don't you leave five stars? Not for me. For the, the purpose of comedy. For the principle of it all. For the higher public. For light and life. Leave five stars. And tell everybody where they can find you. You can find me on the interwebs, on Instagram, and Twitter at Christina Ariel. K-R-Y-S-T-I-N-A-A-R-I-E-L-L-E. Um, you can also find me on Star Wars, the High Republic show on StarWars.com and Star Wars YouTube. If you like it, give it a thumbs up or something. I don't know. Or just watch it. Just keep keep watching the show when new episodes come out. And um, yeah, you can just find me on the internet. If you go to my Twitter, I usually tell you where you can find me doing other stuff. Oh, I'm also on a show called Into the Motherlands. And we are on season two. It's uh, officially sponsored by Twitch. So it's on twitch.tv forward slash cypher of tier every Wednesday from four to six. And it is a TTRPG where we go like we're space adventurers and it's really cool and i play captain silo 919 who is a or admiral silo 919 i gave myself a promotion and the best kind of promotion i gave it to myself i did and they it's it's part of the storyline now where they're like no you're not and i'm like "Mm, but i already changed it on all my documents so yes i am It's like, a, it's like it's like in Parks and Rec, like I have a permit and it's like a piece of paper. I can I do, do whatever what I want. want. <laughs> I, do, I do what I want. Dude, she has weaponized hair. My character has weaponized hair. She's super cool. I love so that. So you guys that's, should watch that show. That's Bianca Belair right there, you know, for, for the second wrestling reference. We didn't even talk about wrestling this entire time. We're going to have to do a wrestling meet Star Wars because uh, I have a theory that they are the same thing. And I've tweeted that and people think I'm joking, but they oh are the same thing. Oh, I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay. So I know we like literally are saying goodbye and all of that care. stuff. So Go I on. went to, I was at Monday Night Raw. Yeah. And <laughs> Seth Rollins gets something like in his eye, right? Like, uh-huh. or like they're doing this thing where he's like still trying to fight. Mind you, it's wrestling. And he's like, oh. Sure. And so I'm standing off to the side. He walks by and I was like, do you need some water to clean out your eye? And I'm like, can somebody get it like some water? And my husband is like, it's a part of the show. And I was like, but no, he looks like he's like really hurt. Like you might have something in his eye. It's so uncomfortable when you have something. (laughs) (laughs) You're like yelling at Seth, like, Seth, is this a bit? Is this part of the show? Are are you really, are you really okay? I don't know if you've watched the show Young Rock, but it is. It's funny. uh, There's, it's so great on that first episode he's like at he goes it's all fake anyway and Lou Ferrigno like picks him up and is like does this feel fake to you 
And it's such a such a great moment whenever like my my son the other day, my oldest was like, he's like, wrestling is fake. And I made him watch that episode. And I was like, yeah, like, you want to go in there and do that? You want to call that fake? You think Honestly. that's fake? Okay, then go go do it. You can go over there. And so then we ended up watching like Friday night, like wrestling and it's great. I love that. I mean, hey, it's as much a morality play and a drama and a soap as Star Wars. There are heroes, villains, factions, wars. There's an overlord. Uh it, it's storytelling and like we talked about earlier sasha banks a little bit of that that crossover and hopefully we is see vince mcmahon palpatine or is he darth vader i feel like vince mcmahon is palpatine and like triple h would be vader right because triple h can st- will still get his hands dirty but he's still corporate and he come he's more of the muscle like palpatine is a strings puller and i feel like vince has always been a little bit of that i get does but but john cena is not luke skywalker Daniel Bryan is Luke Skywalker. I feel, yes, doing yes chance, <laughs> yes chance to end the show. I, I feel like Daniel Bryan is Luke Skywalker. And then like somebody like, is Becky Lynch Leia? Leia's kind of like the man, right? Leia's got a little bit of that, the man attitude. I could see Yeah. That. Maybe. I thought Bianca would be like Ahsoka. Oh, Bianca and Ahsoka's great. Especially because, you know, being like a young, like up and comer and stuff and like proving herself before like before the world, like that WrestleMania moment and everything like that. Yeah, that's pretty powerful. Wow. Now I'm going to have to go and like just look at the WWE rosters and just be like, you're this Star Wars character and you're this Star Wars character. Uh, and you literally are this Star Wars character. Yeah, and you actually do really get to be one. <laughs> uh, can't wait for more Costco Reeves, hopefully in season three. But for now, we will wrap up. And as for the show, uh, you can find me personally at AD underscore Strider on Twitter at A period D period Strider on Instagram. This show, everywhere you get your Star Wars podcast, Octo Radio, A-H-C-H-T-O Radio. We also have the, the Mandatorian Creed hosted by the amazing, the wonderful, the brilliant Tori Fox here on the, on the feed currently in her uh, lightsabers analytical season, breaking down the design, the fights, the background, the mythos of everybody's favorite elegant weapon for a more civilized age. And then you can also find me on the One and Done Film Club, um, iHeartRadio, if you live in, in Florida and you still listen to the radio, uh, <laughs> I'm on there too. But anyway, uh, right now for me, for Christina, for the Higher Public Show, punch it, Chewie.